Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is August 4th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and the Bruins have now completed two games. One was exhibition, one was somewhat legit, the round robin. Uh, just happy to be back. Happy for it all to be back. Obviously, you guys probably don't love the results of both the games uh, cause this is obviously a Tuesday. This is coming out on. So we only have two games to talk about and to come on and talk about it. I had on my good friend Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Now, uh, this probably was not the positive show you were hoping for. Um, not a lot of positive things to talk about. We, we get into some bigger picture questions here. What do these two games mean? Is it time to panic? Um, which is not what you normally would say after two games. And I said this to Connor on the show. Um, but, there's not a lot of time here. So we get into talking about that. We also talk about some positives of the weekend, um, to which there were a few, to which there were some. Um, and then we get into some fun fan or ban- fan banner captain talk um, and sort of the whole presentation aspect of the NHL. It's a good conversation. And it's great that hockey is back. And these playoff games uh, are meaningful and fun to watch, even if the Bruins ones aren't for, you know, do or die, you know, win or go home. Um, there are other ones on that are like that that are exciting. Uh, before we get into the conversation, sports keep coming back. So does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will finally start the summer this weekend as it's in full swing and there's no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And as sports start to return, BetOnline has sat down with Eddie George from the NFL Robert Horry, seven-time NBA champ, and Harold Reynolds from the MLB to get their opinions on what it will be like playing without fans in what they have called, wait for it, the fandemic. <laughs> the fandemic. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. BetOnline also uh, on Monday morning announced that the Bruins are no longer the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. So if you believe that your that that your Boston Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup, bet on these odds. I still have the Bruins as my Stanley Cup pick, by the way. I do. I had them. At, I I I you know kind of had that a little bit at the beginning, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that pick. Um, and that's just what I'm gonna do. If they win, they win. They lose, they lose. But but if you do believe the Bruins are going to be the team that comes out of the East and wins the Stanley Cup. Go bet now. The odds are, 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 you'll make more money off it. So go do that uh, now. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. (laughs) 
and we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, I'm not going to ask you what is up because I know what was up with you this weekend. I will simply ask you how good did it feel to have hockey back? Evan, it was truly wonderful. It was. No, it was. I mean, like, in all seriousness, that was fun. Like the whole weekend, and and it beat you know, the exhibition games were were kind of fun. The Bruins against the Blue Jackets was a dud. It sucked, um, but to see you know the the Rangers and the Hurricanes, you have that game on Saturday morning. You have the fight like five minutes in. You have a goal a minute in, and then all the games throughout the past two days. This is fun again. I like this. It's a I, I'll take this any time of the any time of the day. Right. I, I mean, literally, you know, the, the first actual game we get, right, with Carolina and New York, I mean, you get a goal, what, like a, a minute and like four seconds in, you got Justin Williams fighting, like, you know, two minutes after that, like, it, for all, you know, people were it was going to take a while for these, these games to kind of feel like playoff games, even like without the fans. I mean, how many of those games were, you know, either down to the wire or were just, you know, felt like an actual playoff game again, it was great. Yeah, and it it makes you realize this round robin is going to be maybe not the best thing in the world. No. Uh not even Bruins wise. I mean like play wise. The game the, the qualifying round is intense is a legit playoff round. Like I truly think the qualifying round to me is uh it should count as a playoff round. I mean that should I don't know what they're doing with play if those count for stats. I I have not heard what they're doing yet for that. 100% should count for playoff stats. That is a playoff round. Um, okay. And I think it should. Uh, the round robin, though, is just kind of like – and we'll get to why this might not be the best thing for the Bruins in a little bit, but uh, the, the the qualifying round is exciting as hell, and I love it, and it's fun. And uh, last night, the only series I'm not too uh, high on is the Wild and the Canucks. Uh, that is going to yeah. be a boring series. It was boring last night. I shut it off after the first period went to bed. You missed also, you missed when the you missed when the lights went out, man. They, they pulled. Well, I saw the, it on your Twitter. Yeah, yeah. But um, so we'll get to the Bruins right now. Um, and the big question this Monday morning, because you'll get this Tuesday. We always say this. You'll get this Tuesday. We do this Monday. Whatever. Um, the big question is: Is it time to panic? Uh, the exhibition game against the Blue Jackets was horrendous, but that's expected. It's your first game back. Wasn't for the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets were good, but the Bruins not so much. Then there's the Bruins against the Flyers on Sunday, four-one loss. Take away the first period in that game, and the Bruins are have been garbage for five periods since returning. The question is: Is it time to panic? And Connor, I don't like to overreact. I don't. And maybe this is an overreaction, mm-hmm. but I do think it might be time to panic. And it's and, and what's and I, I'll preface it with this. Because this is unpopular, I think. If this was an 82-game regular season, or even like a 30-game a regular season, I would say, no, it's not time to panic. It's the first two games. Shut up. They've been out for four months. But given what's coming up, you have the Capitals. Or, you know, you have the Lightning. And then you have the Capitals in the round robin. doesn't get easier. We'll see how they play. They play Monday or Tuesday, those two teams. Well, I have to look and see what. Exactly this because everyone's all jumped around now because I thought that maybe like Philly was on the same schedule but they don't play again until um they play Monday so yeah. by the time you're hearing this you'll know the result um but so given that and given that the first round is coming and these other for I mean these first round teams you're going to be playing are coming out of playoff series 
I do think there's maybe time to panic. And, and I know, I know they could come out, the Bruins could come out against the Lightning and the Capitals this week and dominate. And I'll look like an idiot. And I get it. But given off what I've seen, given off the road ahead, it's hard. It's hard to think this is just all going to come together because there are real problems with this team right now. And I don't see that being fixed in a very short span of time. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's one of those situations where uh, Tory Krug kind of talked about it uh, following that, that loss to Philly, which, you know, as you said, the optics weren't really good. You know, it's not like it, that was a, a loss where you're like, all right, well, you know, Jack Sidnika continues to look really good. And, you know, the, you know, the power play at least had some chances and just the puck didn't go its way or the ice wasn't that good. Like, I mean, there was some serious issues with, with, you know, that loss, both in terms of, you know, far too many odd man rushes. You had, you know, a guy like Brennan Kahlo, who is rarely, if not ever, like, you know, kind of cut out of position. You know, he pinches up, causes a two-on-one. Obviously, you don't have Tuka Rask out there, um, which obviously that's going to be the big concern. You know, ideally we'll get some clarity by the time this this podcast drops or by Wednesday, Rask will be good to go. Um, I don't think I'm ready to, you know, hit the full-fledged panic button yet because, again, I, I think kind of along the same lines as what Krug said about, you know, building that game, as long as they kind of take steps to, you know, correct what they're working on now, um, you know, either through, you know, Wednesday's game or through next Sunday, and they're at least taking the steps to, you know, adjust to kind of this new setting. You know, I, I think you look at some of the flaws, that, you know, that's been present with this team since getting up to Toronto. And I think it's stuff that's either correctable where it's just, you know, like, you know, defensive structures and, and you know, stuff like that that can be, you know, coached through or, you know, adjusted to over a few more, you know, practices and then, I think you look at maybe the biggest issue, right, is the, the you know, struggles they've had generating good chances. I mean, the Bruins only had three high-danger scoring chances at five-on-five five during that game against Philly, and two of them were from Chris Wagner, right? And then the only the other one was from, um, you know, the, the coil line, which probably was the, one of the few positives you had from that that game. But And you look at, you know, Wagner's chances, it was because, you know, what did he do? He did what, you know, that fourth line usually does, which is, you know, winning pucks on the four check, getting fucked down low, just, you know, putting a puck on net and seeing what happens. I mean, his, his, his shot that was a goal bounced off a skate in front. It wasn't like, you know, it was this crazy chance. So I think, you know, I imagine what you're probably going to see on, uh, you know, their, their game against Tampa is just them trying to funnel pucks may not be, you know, the flashy plays, but I don't think either whether it be because of, you know, rust with not having played in a while or just the way the ice is, you know, they can't go through kind of that, those passing clinics that you're used to seeing from some of those high skill guys. So it's going to be an adjustment, but, uh, you know, I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. But, again, if we're looking at this next Sunday and, you know, they go through the round robin being on school and, you know, 15 to three, then like, you have to go, oh, shit, roll. All right. Well, we may have to, you know, change our adjustments a little bit here, but so, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it is because I think it's something that's easily correctable. It's just how well they can execute it and how well you can execute it the next two games against two very, very good teams in Tampa and Washington, I think is the big issue. I mean, I think the, the thing is with this group, there's a chance that this is good. There's a chance that this is all a wake-up call. There's a chance that now a fire's lit lit under them. They're kind of like a lower seed. They're fighting to stay. They feel, you know, maybe that's how they feel. And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe they come out flying against uh, Tampa and Washington, or maybe they lose those and come out flying in the first round. Who knows? 
we can only judge off what we've seen. And to me, some again, they haven't played in four months. But there were some plays yesterday, and you highlighted one, I think, this morning on Twitter, um, on that power play when it was 4-1 to one with nine minutes left when Krug sends it down to Pasternak. Pasternak has a wide-open one-timer. I mean, wide-open one-timer. Throws it across to Marshawn, who isn't there, who looked terrible on Sunday, by the way, and has really not looked great since coming back, um, minus a few shifts at the beginning. Uh, misses the pass, and there goes any chance at a high-danger chance <laughs> in that situation. And Cassidy said it yesterday. Sh- uh, uh, make a better freaking play with the puck. Mm-hmm. He's right. And it's tough. The ice sucks. Coyle lost a breakaway yesterday because the ice was horrendous. I think it was that that was the end of the first period. Yeah. Um, so the ice is bad. The odds are against them in every in, in every way. And this is what makes me think with this tournament, with this kind of weird postseason format we got, maybe it's better to be a lower seed. Maybe it's better to 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 have pressure on you from the get go. You know these teams in these. Uh, in the, um, in the, in the, not the round, the qualifying rounds, they lose, they go home. Like that is it, you know, and we start with Columbus, uh, against the Bruins in the exhibition game. Like they didn't have time to slowly build up their game. They just had to play. They just had to fight to stay alive. And maybe that's why, I mean, look, I'm still sticking with my pick of Bruins, Golden Knights, Stanley Cup final. I think that was my pick at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just staying with it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to pick. I'm not going to try to pick a lower seed and go. Ooh, we're going to have you know. We're going to have the the uh, the, 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 uh, the the crazy Minnesota Wild Blue Jackets Stanley Cup final yeah. that we all predicted back in, yeah. in September. We knew it was going to happen. Um, yeah, but but maybe it is good to be one of those lower teams, and maybe that's what we're going to get this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know from the Bruins' perspective too. I mean, they're already kind of up against the you know, the behind the eight ball in terms of, you know, getting back up to speed just because you can't really see how the the lineup's panning out, right? I mean, even when, you know, Jack Sidney was one of the highlights from that that loss in the exhibition game against Columbus, like the Bruins still really don't know what they have yet in terms of, you know, where Nick Ritchie goes and, you know, where Andre Kasha goes. It's a positive that, yes, he's up in Toronto. Yes, that he's practicing and how he, you know, is not, doing that quarantine, I don't know, because it seems like it was pretty mapped out pretty well in the, the memos they gave about guys who were, uh, you know, flying without the team charter. So I don't know what was going on there, but still. Teleported. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, or it took like a private plane or something. But um, again, the Bruins are a better team on paper, at least when you have Andre Kasha in that lineup, you know, settled into a role somewhere. You know, they're going to have to now do that probably on the fly, like, you know, during one of these games. So, you know, you might be playing against Washington or, you know, maybe even Tampa Bay if he's, you know, back up to speed that quick. And, you know, you'd be cycling through Kasha or Sidnika next to Krejci, which is not ideal in terms of, you know, generating, you know, instant chemistry right then and there during a game, right? So, you know, I, I feel like already, I mean, you've kind of mentioned it with how these, round-robin games who have kind of felt like glorified scrimmages anyway. Like, I feel like it's going to be tough for teams to really get amped up and really get, you know, locked in during these games, knowing that, you know, the stakes are much lower. But I think from the Bruins' perspective, I mean, you got kind of, you know, knocked around in two straight games, and Tory Krug mentioned it kind of felt like a wake-up call. So you have to imagine they have some sort of response, because even if it's, you know, this isn't like, uh, you know, the the Miami Heat, you know, during like the the mid 
2010s where, you know, they would go like, you know, 40, 45, you know, wins, and then they would just turn on the postseason and roll through, right? Like it's, you, you can't do that, especially in these circumstances, right? You're going to get burned and there's, you know, way too many other good teams that are lowest seeds that can cause an upset. So, you know, they have to get, you know, some of their stuff in order, you know, pretty quickly because, and again, I think it's stuff that can be easily correctable. It's just, um, you know, keeping it simple, which you could even make the argument there. It might hurt them anyway because, you know, the Bruins, when they're at their best, it's, you know, deferring to that power play and that top line, which is good at kind of knowing where each other is on the ice, you know, setting up those great passing sequences that those conditions may not be available to them the way that this, you know, the, the rank is looking like now. So it might not be pretty, but, you know, they still possess the puck better than most lines out there. If you're going to just keep peppering the net, you know, the chances are going to be there at least more than we saw on Thursday against Philly. And you have the added motivation of uh, getting a highest seed possible because you could have Todd Angeli singing exactly. from home at your games. Yeah. I mean, if that's not motivation, I don't know what it is. I was, yeah. by the way, I was floored to see, uh, <laughs> I think he did it live. Did he? It looked like it. Looked it, yeah. it. it did. I mean, you know, other than the fans felt like just a regular, you know, Bruins game, you know, you oh, had yeah. crazy train blasting. I mean, I didn't hear, uh, I didn't hear Bon Jovi at all though, which I feel like they only play that when they're like in the, in the lead, which like is immediately usually followed by like a, a tying goal again. Yes. So maybe, you know, they'll say that for later on, but you know, yeah. I mean, if you, if you're going through without Todd and Jilly, I mean, you know, what are you, what are you guys doing there? Like, yeah. 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 Brutal. Yeah, are you guys serious? Like, do you guys want to get demoted to the AHL? I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, so, all right, what are the issues with this team right now? Two games in. Uh, which sounds weird judging off two games, but this is what we got. And we don't have a lot of time. The Bruins don't have a lot of time, uh, for all this stuff. So the issues to me, uh, defensive zone coverage seems a little bit like an issue to me right now. I mean, there, there was a go- the first goal by Michael Roffle yesterday. Um, Lazan and Krug thought the puck let would leave the zone. It didn't. They kind of, float towards – they puck watch. They float towards tops of the circles. Raffle goes right in behind them and scores. By the way, Lazan was, has not been good um, since he came back. Granted, again, it's two games. But I would not be surprised to see maybe a switch. Lazan gets kicked out of the game yesterday, had some you know, defensive miscues. Wouldn't be surprised to see him sort of maybe not play um, against the Lightning or the Capitals. We'll see how that goes. Um, defensive zone issues. And then offensive zone, you mentioned this. Um, just – not generating any sort of high danger chances, which is what you need to score goals most times. You're not going to score these goals from the outside. You can't do what uh, the Flyers did to Halak twice in just pure snipes yeah. from the tops of the circles, which were incredible shots. Halak mm-hmm. could have played him better, but those were freaking missiles yeah. um, on Halak. Um, by the way, the whole Halak should start crowd, mm-hmm. fight down. Quiet down. And by the way, I like Halak. I think Halak's great. And if Halak has to do a spot start in the postseason, by all means. But to, I have some friends who argue that Halak should start like all the time. They argue this. And yesterday, that group chat was pretty quiet. I mean, um, Evan, what, 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 you know, what could he do with all those defensive breakdowns? You know, it, it would be the same argument you would, I'm sure, get if Tukaras got up four goals in a, you know, playoff game. Is you know, it's just the. The miscues in front, like, well, you know, what, what else could he do? It's yeah, really the only news is going to start the day before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, what are you, you going to do? <laughs> but so, um, if defensive miscues, you have uh, – can't, can't get good scoring chances. How do you fix these? You mentioned it a little bit, but 
how do you fix these? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the biggest concern is, and again, I think the defensive, you know, breakdowns and stuff that can be corrected. Um, you know, you've seen that during some of the few, you know, duds during the regular season, which were generally few and far between, you know, usually you'd have those uncharacteristic breakdowns or lapses in defensive zone coverage that usually get ironed out pretty quickly, especially with a team like this. Um, I, I still think the, the biggest concern is just getting – kind of those big guns rolling, you know, up front for this team because, you know, they got to adjust pretty quickly on how they kind of go about things in the offensive zone because, again, look at this team. They still got a whole bunch of stuff to to settle, you know, before these actual playoffs begin, whether it be, you know, fixing the, the Krejci line or figuring out where, you know, I mean, Bjork and Coleman looked really good with Coyle, but, you know, what are you going to do when – Kosh is ready to roll or a Richie or any of those guys. So you get a whole lot of juggling you still have to do. It'd be very good if, you know, amid all those, you know, uncertainties, you could still rely on that top line and the power play as they've done for years now to kind of carry that, that scoring burden for the, for the team, especially at five on five. And that hasn't been there at all. Right. So um, I think if, as long as you get, you know, those guys start generating chances regularly again, then I think you can kind of, all the rest of the stuff kind of more or less falls into place, or at least it becomes less of a concern, right? Like if you're still tinkering with the coil line, but at least you're still getting offense, you know that first line can generate, that you know that that power play can generate, then I think, you know, it goes a long way in getting this team back up to speed. But so far you just haven't haven't seen it at all. And, again, again I, I think – it'll be an adjustment in terms of how they kind of handle those scoring chances on the ice or, you know, how they go about just getting pucks on net and may not be the prettiest thing in the world. It may not be kind of those backdoor feeds or, you know, those, those setups that you usually see when that, that group is locked in or when the ice is at, you know, optimal conditions. But again, it's still a line that's at its best when it's, you know, funneling pucks around and when it's, you know, winning puck battles, holding onto the puck for extended periods of time. So if they keep on doing that and just keep on getting the pucks on the net, the chances are going to be there. It's just they weren't taking those shots. They were just deferring or going for the, the extra pass when they didn't really have to. So I think that's going to be the biggest concern is just getting that group back, you know, back in order and back generating chances because you can't go into this playoff with that, that group out of whack because you don't have the, the sure bets you know, further down the lineup that are going to break through to carry the team. You know, when when Coyle and that line went off in the postseason last year, it was great, but it was great because it was in support of that first line doing what we know they could do, right? When yeah. that's the, the only line that's generating, then you're in, you know, you're in deep trouble. Well, that's why I think they, if you want accurate crowd noise, you need the shoot and you need yes. booze. You yes. need both. You actually need both. The power plays yesterday, and I tweeted this to the Bruins, or not yesterday, Sunday, um, I mean, just shoot, first of all, but pump that noise in. That would be so funny if you just hear like, sh- like just a million people like, shoot. Like yeah. that would just be perfect because it's so accurate to what would be happening if that game was at TD Garden. By the way, they'd be getting booed in the third period. Yes. Um, I agree with you on the defensive zone issues. I, I think that is fixable. Um, the offensive zone stuff worries me. And what really worries me, and I know this worries you too, Bergeron line against the Flyers was shut down. Mm-hmm. Shut down. I mean, advanced stats wise, the worst uh, line for the Bruins. The best line for the Flyers was that Couturier line, uh, which is, you know, it just goes to show you, first of all, stop calling them the perfection line. I'm so sick of this. Yeah, I they mean, aren't. 
regardless if they even had three goals scored, just start calling the perfection line. Yes, I, like I it's, anyway. it, it's horrendous considering there are other lines in the NHL who are arguably better. Like just there are. Um, and you saw it Sunday. Like that Couturier, Voracek, Drew line, at least Sunday was better. I mean, they just were. Um, and they just, they shut them down. They neutralized them. But ironically enough, the goals that the Flyers scored when those guys were out there, mm-hmm. um, were not, was not that line. It was different yeah. lines. Um, but still, I mean, you cannot have that Bergeron line getting shut down again by a, another sort of big three type top line. That line has to reign superior at some point. Um, and the Bruins, as you said, they're going to need them to step up on a more positive note. We'll get to some positivity. It took 20 minutes, but we'll get to it. Um, it. Hey, we're usually positive. So this is yeah. a, a, a one-off. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Um, so the positives uh, from the weekend. Jack Stadnika looked good. Uh, looked good against the Blue Jackets. Or looked really good against the Blue Jackets. Looked okay against the Flyers. Wasn't nearly as dominant. Uh, Cassidy took him out of the rotation in the early third period, then kind of brought him back in. That might have been because Cassidy wanted to see how he played with some rat, some some time on the bench. I think he mentioned that last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that was the the mo- the move there. Not sure. I mean, I aside from that really good back check by Stadnika in the first period, I didn't really notice him for the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'll give him a positive. Uh, Anders Bjork. And Charlie Coyle, to me, were really good uh, against the the Flyers and pretty good against the Columbus Blue Jackets. The the only thing is with that line is they got to start finishing. Mm-hmm. That you know, Andersburg has got to start finishing, and and so uh, too does Coyle with him. Um, they can look good all they want. They can skate up and down the ice and you know, be blazing fast and you know cycle the puck well and win all those puck battles. But you got to finish at some point. I know it's only two games, but but they look both look good. Uh, was there anyone else to you who looked good? Um, you know, obviously those are the guys that kind of stand out. Um, I think McAvoy looked pretty good, especially in the the last game. You know, it may not be the, again, like a, a, I feel like McAvoy is one of those players that when he's really on, it's very noticeable, right? Where, I mean, it seems like there's every couple of games where, especially down that stretch there before the pause, where it's like, you know, you get those 26, 27 minute games, you know, two points, you know, just great through transition where you're like, Everyone always looks at back at it like, oh, that's the that's the guy who you know we expect as being that that franchise guy. And there were flashes of it yesterday, especially again. You hear about it in terms of you know he may not be a guy who gets fifty points at least not now in his career that he didn't score a friggin' goal until February. But you look at McAvoy, what value he brings in terms of just eating up minutes and you know kind of making his own breakout, pushing the puck through. Um, he actually you know had a few you know, generally solid chances on that, that second power play unit where he's a little bit more active than usually you just seeing him where he was a little bit more, you know, operating down low a little bit. wasn't kind of hanging out of the blue line, which is kind of encouraging and interesting to see how they kind of utilize him both during this postseason and going forward of, you know, in a role like that. Um, so I think he, he's been pretty solid, but again, I think in terms of up front, um, the fourth line, you know, after, uh, you know, Sean Corrali had a very, very bad uh, start to that, that exhibition game on Thursday. But I think since getting pushed back there, that fourth line's been solid, not flashy, you know, but, you know, you know, playing well. I mean, Corrali seemed like he was shot out of a cannon after getting 
bumped down that lineup. I mean, he was like trying to fight legitimately every single guy on the Blue Jackets yeah. into that game. Um, the rivalry. So that, from yeah, exactly, yeah, the hometown team for him. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, a group that, you know, they may not have been the strongest, you know, from the start of the year to the end, whether it be due to injuries or stuff like that. But it seems like they've, you know, gelled again pretty, pretty quickly. And that could be also a, a line that's going to be shuffled through quite a bit, whether it's you put a guy like Lynn Toman or again, once Richie and Kasha, you know, are, are able to go and maybe guys could push down, maybe like a, a Coolman who's a, a quicker North South guy could be put in a, a fourth line role like that. So that adds some in- intrigue to it. But I think, um, you know, the guys you mentioned though are far and away though, the guys that really stand out, especially in that last game, uh, Coyle and Bjork were, uh, especially in that first period too, were just, seems like every, every chance they had, they were either in, you know, in the O zone or they were, you know, breaking through the neutral zone and, kind of an interesting line with, you know, Bjork and, and Coleman next to Coyle because Cassidy mentioned the start of camp and through most of camp, they wanted to have like a big puck possession line. So it was, you know, Sean Corrali, who's a big dude, Nick Ritchie, who's obviously a big dude, you know, putting those guys together. It's like, all right, well, they're, you know, they're loading up on size down there. Now you have Bjork and Coleman who aren't really necessarily the biggest dudes out there, but they still got the wheels that, if you have a guy like Charlie Coyle, you know, hold on to the puck as he usually does. You have Bjork and Kuhlman, you know, as the F1 or F2 getting down there, recovering the puck, being the first one on the puck, then it works out pretty well, right? As long as you just hold on to that puck. But again, they have to have someone who finishes on that line. So whether it be Kasha or just having a guy like Richie who can just hang out down low and just, you know, pop those chances that they're able to generate. You know, there's at least something they can build off of in terms of what you saw on Thursday, which is encouraging for a line that obviously needs to get going by the time the playoffs that. Yeah. So again, I think, you know, as we sit here Monday morning, I think that things could change very easily. I mean, you know, they could come out Wednesday and play great. They could come out fr- uh, Sunday and play great. But we're going off what we got. And it hasn't been great. And they don't have a lot of time to do that. I mean, a lot of these things, a lot of these fixes don't are not going to come easy against the Washington Capitals and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then whoever you play in the first round. Um, wish I could say differently, but I can't. Um, when it comes to the presentation of the games, what do you think? I think that it's funny. Obviously, I had that Twitter video. Uh, of me from a podcast I did with Trag a few weeks ago where I mocked yes. and made fun of fans reacting to goals before they happen or things like that. Um, they did a little bit of that. They only do it with one fan base yesterday or Sunday. They did it with Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we could hear them, which was good. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of like jumped up. I mean, they add nothing. I mean, the only funny thing was like Wagner scored and they just, pan- they, 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 they did like yeah, what they did in Toronto. Actually. Yeah. They panned to them and they're just kind of sitting there like, I hate Boston. Yeah. Um, but is there anything about the presentation that you maybe don't like or that isn't normal, aside from I, there being no fans? Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot that's definitely not normal <laughs> about the, the presentation, but I haven't had too many issues with it in terms of, I mean, I, I like the kind of the, the you know, presentation in terms of the way it's set up where everything kind of topped off, but it looks like it's just like its own, you know, venue. It doesn't look like there's like an empty building, right? Which like, mm-hmm. again, I think, I think, you know, you, you look at kind of the way Yankee Stadium is when the Red Sox were there this weekend and everything was just kind of empty, which I think is still better than the other alternative, which is putting those like creepy cardboard cutouts behind. Like, I think that's, uh. the worst. I think that's the worst. The, the, 
you know, the empty stadium still very uh, dystopian looking like. So I like the, the NHL where it's everything's either, you know, blacked out or they at least have co- tops up that make it look like it's just its own kind of unique venue, which, which I appreciate. And then, you know, the, the ice level, you know, the, the audio, you know, I haven't had any too much, too many complaints about the, the, the feed out in Edmonton, at least during, I think the games like the, the Winnipeg Calgary game, which is already wasn't really much of a riveting game. Um, their ice stuff, the, the mix was weird where it was like the, the on ice stuff, like the skates were like much louder than the announces. So that one was really weird, but like the, but the ones out in, uh, Toronto really haven't been too bad in terms of, you know, the, the hitting that right level where it's not also like they're blasting like the, the fake noise in, but it doesn't feel like it's way too, maybe not artificial because it definitely is, but like it, it doesn't sound nearly as, you know, off kilter or odd as maybe like you start at the start with like baseball, the way they're kind of set up where they're just like blasting like a wall of sound through. So it doesn't have to be like a, a friggin' like Pink Floyd concert, but just have like normal audio, like an, like an NHL 20 game and like it will work. Yeah. The weird part is the announcers not being at the game, like yeah. the announcers being somewhere else, like with Doc Emmerich. I love Doc, but like the other day, uh, I think it was the Chicago Edmonton game. He was calling. Yeah. I think it was that game. Um, he, and this is so nitpicky, but he was late on like all the goal calls. And I was like, yeah. is he, I, I tuned in late. So I was like, is he there or not? Like, I've yeah. never heard doc, like be this late on stuff, but he wasn't there. He, I think he was in Michigan. Um, but it is weird to hear like the puck. Go, and it was the same last night with the Minnesota Vancouver game. Yeah. Um, Fiala shot it right through Markstrom and, and like three seconds later, you hear the guy go, Oh, he scores. And it's yeah. like, Oh, well, all right. Well, this is what we're doing now. The other thing you mentioned, the cardboard cutouts. Why I hate the cardboard cutouts is the other day, and this happens sometimes when I'm just like flipping around and I'll see like, oh, there's a baseball game on like TBS. Mm -hmm. Like Sunday, the Braves were on TBS. So I just went and flipped to it and they were like the cardboard cutouts. And for like two seconds, I was like, oh my God, like fans. And then you like, you you just kind of mindlessly watch it and then you realize, wait, like there's nobody there. There's nobody there. This is bullshit. Um, So that's sort of a letdown in the sense of like, you're just mindlessly going around and you're like, Oh, and then you're like, Oh, that actually is not what I thought it was at all. Um, but the presentation has been good to the NHL. I'm glad they tarped it off. I never thought of that, but I'm so glad they did. Cause just seeing like empty, um, seats yeah. and it, it would look too much like Toronto, which like, I'm fine. Like I just don't want it looking like any rink. I want it looking like just something completely different. Yeah. That's what they've done and credit to them. Yeah, no, I mean, it looks like its own kind of unique venue, which again, it's a pretty friggin' unique situation the way everything is this year. So if you look back on it and it looks like it's its own little like tournament kind of weird setup that's like they've catered it towards what it is. It looks better than like looking back at highlights and have it be like a, a empty, you know, completely barren arena, which it is, but like the optics of it still are much better than if it was a completely empty rink. Yeah. I mean, they have like the, the video boards on the sides and, yeah. they, and it's funny. They, they, I, I thought they would be more towards like the the audio and like the, I guess the sounds and the videos of like the home team, but mm. they've done it with both. I mean, you have the away goal horns, you know, which I I like. I think it's great. Yeah, I have no problem with it. Like it, you know. Um, and then yeah, and then uh, I mean, you also look at it too, Evan. Like we haven't gotten to the official start of the postseason yet because we haven't heard about any of these fan banning captains for the Bruins yet. So we, it's not it's not a postseason until we have fights on our Twitters about, you know, who's going to be waving a flag through it. Exactly. And he, he's screaming like Todd, like poor Todd and Jilly who had to like film it in his like house 
that's what we're gonna have to look forward to. But you know, it's not the official stat until we start fighting about those again. So that's true. That and the fan banner captains are back, by the way. Did you see that? I know that's what I'm saying. We have to. They're back. Again, and that's another reason why they need to have that home ice advantage. It's like we can't if. If the Bruins can't look up on that HD screen and see Taco Fall waving a, a Bruins flag, you know, like two minutes of full puck drop, you know, it's, it'd be just a huge hit in terms of yeah. now, you know, getting getting juiced up for the game, you know. I mean, I guess you get riled up off of, you know, the chance of maybe winning a Stanley Cup. That's good and all, but it's not the same without the fan banning captains. You need Julian Edelman there. Yes. Screaming with a Eight David Ortiz jersey and on. One, and one playoff run. I hope they play the David Ortiz video from last year that was supposedly uh, made for him to be a fan banner captain from his hospital bed after he got, you know, shot. Um, I um, hope they play that this year. Among the many dumb things that went on during last year's playoff run, I think people advocating for David Ortiz to be at a Bruins game, like, legitimately three days after getting shot in the back, Maybe was my least favorite, like minor storyline of that whole run. It's like, well, he doesn't have to be there for the whole game. Or like, he could film a video. I'm like, dude, he's having like his gallbladder removed today. Like, he, I don't think he's <laughs> in the right frame of mind or right like state with his health to like make the. You know, he's only an MSG. He could just walk down there. You know? <laughs> right now, dude, I, I'd rather he be in a hotel room, or I'd, I'd rather be in a hospital bed. Like recovering from from major trauma. Like I don't think he wants to go to a friggin' Bruins game, even if it's Game Seven. I don't think he gives a shit. No, should he? After again, getting shot in the shot. <laughs> I loved. I just was such a fan of that actually being thrown around. Like, no, listen. There's gonna be a video. They're gonna play before the game. Now, my favorite thing was, and I I've said this so many times. Imagine like if that actually was a imagine if the Bruins in their mindset said you know what let's try it we're gonna send some intern or some pr person and we're gonna have them knock on david ortiz's hospital door mm-hmm. we're gonna have them walk in and say hey david could you just say let's go bruins into the camera real quick the guy's like you know just out you know, just not in the frame of mind for i mean it was the stupidest but funniest storyline i think of that whole postseason last year mm-hmm. that and that showed you how dumb the whole fan, or ban- fan banner captain thing got with people trying to guess. Mm-hmm. Like there was always rumors throughout like Tom Brady's going to come. I heard, I heard they're talking to Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady might actually come. And I think the biggest, the, the most surprising was like Bill Belichick. And then there was like that whole stupid campaign for Mark Savard to be a fan banner captain, which like was all cool and like fun and all, but like, it was just like, it's a fan banner captain. Like, let's get over it. Yeah. Which um, I, ideally you would hope that, you know, again, whether they're doing it this year, I assume will probably be, you know, you know, medical staff or people who have helped with, you know, fighting this pandemic or something like that. It wouldn't be like, you know, I'm trying to think of who would be like who they've have on reserve. Cause they, I mean, for how deep that playoff run was last year, they used quite a few people. So <laughs> a lot of people, yeah. the best yeah. part, though, you know, these people who are, you know, fighting the pandemic and, you know, fighting social justice, they aren't the real heroes. The real hero is Julian Edelman or someone like Mark Wahlberg who makes great Boston movies. Those are the real heroes, baby. I swear to God, if Mark Wahlberg gets within like five feet of a broadcast camera for one of these things, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm just going to not watch the game. I'm just going to have to do like my own recap after the game because I'm not watching it. Mark Wahlberg said that. That's you know – you know, as it gets deeper in the playoffs, you know that that stuff's got to happen. You got to make it more Boston. Remember last year, Boston, St. Louis. You know, you had um, 
you had uh, you had Pam from the office and you had Jim. They were on both sides. They were fighting it out. They could have ended their relationship. Oh my God, who's gonna win? I mean, it it does get laughably. I, I I will I will take like Lenny Clack or like the one of like Matt Damon, Charlie Moore. <laughs> yeah, I will take I will take anyone from like Goodwill Hunting, like beyond like the the big stars, like Will's like you know fourth friend in his like group waving a fan band of captain before uh before Mark Wahlberg gets anywhere close to that stuff. So hopefully yeah. we don't even have to let's not cross this let's not cross this bridge. Hope we don't have to we have we don't have to deal with a situation like this because Yeah. I the fan band of captain sucks. It should be weird seeing people, you know, swinging a, a flag from their home, you know, yeah. doing it live. It's going to be uh, – and, and we can't make fun of them because these people are legitimate here. Like these people actually did things that were important to society. Um, and I can't – I have a tougher time making fun of someone who's, you know, fighting a pandemic or fighting racism than someone who makes like shit Boston movies. But uh, who knows? Uh, Connor, anything you're working on at BSJ right now that we should be excited about? Yeah, we got a few uh, projects we're working on um, in terms of both, you know, breaking down, you know, we've got a, I, I did a uh, breakdown with, you know, looking at David Pasternak, the way his game has evolved, um, which worked out pretty well. And just in terms of seeing how his game has, you know, obviously clearly jumped up from maybe what we first saw in 2015 to kind of what he is now doing that with a few other plays and seeing kind of tendencies and how they've kind of, a, you know, adapted their game. So we're working on a few breakdowns like that, a few features in the work, which has been, one of the, the positives of, you know, having this full month break is letting you get time to work on a few more things. So got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, longer projects kind of down the pipeline that should be rolling out pretty soon. And then the usual, you know, day-to-day, um, you know, notebooks and, you know, breakdowns and all that good stuff we're going to expect from, uh, you know, leading into, you know, playoffs come next week. So uh, you can look at it all on bostonsportsjournal.com. Subscribe there, and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Subscribe, people. All right, Connor, as always, thank you very much. Uh, and for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, Brunsby listeners, enjoy the games and have a great rest of your week. Yeah.